Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Pre-Annotators. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today by Tate Bromble, who is writing the ongoing Barbalian Red Planet, part of the Black Hammer universe, which was uh, kicked off via Dark Horse and Jeff Lemire. Uh, I've been two or three years now since that launch, and it's been one of my favorite, if not my favorite, uh, superhero universe, I think, in comics since that time. Tate, thanks so much for joining. This is week one, or it's been, you know, Barbalian came out this week, so it's been, you know, a handful of days now. Um, What's the response been like so far to the first issue? Um, It has been awesome so far. Uh, My first, when it first came out, I kind of spent the entire day just scrolling Twitter, just over the moon happy, just because it seemed like everyone was really liking it and a lot of people were sharing their thoughts, which I wanted. because I really wanted this book to kind of have that discussion and get people talking. So I've seen um, quite a bit of that. So it's been great so far. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, very good. No, I, I enjoyed the first issue a lot. This is a series I've been looking forward to a ton because, like I said, I, I really dig Black Hammer. It's been, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the the baby and the all from this kind of one mind, essentially. Obviously, yeah. There's a yeah, lot yeah. of collaborators on the artistic side. Um, but the storytelling generally has not expanded. You're getting that opportunity to to script and co-plot the story mm-hmm. here with Jeff Lemire. How do, how do you approach sort of a, just on the like, I don't know, strategic side, like a first issue release? Like, what are you doing before the book comes out? What are you, do? obviously you're doing an interview, you know, this sort of publicity yeah, yeah, now, yeah. but like just mentally, like how, how are you trying to get Barbalian on people's minds? Um, well, I knew that it had this potential to kind of make some type of splash because it was like this queer hero um, in a very important like historical moment for like queer communities mm-hmm. um, and, it's, and history in general for the states. So I knew that it was it had this sort of important subject matter. Um, so I really focused on that because that's kind of what I want people to really take away from it. Like it is obviously a superhero book and like you have all that sci-fi pulp, you have this Martian warlords and crazy stuff. Um, but it's also this historical fiction. And a lot of it came from real stories and real people that lived during that time. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I focused a lot on that. Um, and a lot of my tweets building up to it, obviously I would share like Gabrielle Walta's incredible artwork. But then I was also drawing attention um, to like the activism of the time. And uh, so I did a lot of that work ahead of time. Um, and just trying to get it on people's radar, especially on Twitter. Um, I was sharing it with um, a lot of creators who I've become friends with and wanted to get their points of view. Um, like I have become friends with Steve Orlando, for example. So mm-hmm. I was like, Steve, you've like written Martian Manhunter, like that great run. Um, I've um, written this, like check it out. What do you think? And he loved it and shared his thoughts on Twitter. So like, it was a lot of kind of getting that back and forth between other creators I, I liked as well. Awesome. Yeah. I, I wondered about that with the, so Mark Martz is the, the, uh, what do you call it? The earth name here. Uh, yeah. it's uh barbarian, right? This, this Martian, um, warlord who comes to the black hammer universe in what is called the silver age. And, uh, mm-hmm. he's, yeah, he's the Martian manhunter, you know, of DC comics analog, right? Most yeah. clearly. Um, I wondered like how, yeah. So Steve Orlando wrote that recent, uh, Martian Manhunter 12 issue maxi with, with Riley Rossmo, which is really good. People should check that out. Um, I wondered how much like Martian Manhunter research or, or fandom even that you engaged with in tackling this story. Uh, it sounds like a little bit. Um, was that something where you're like, 
I, I kind of want to expand that foundation of the character before I tackle this analog. Was yeah, that... a little bit. Well, like, yeah. it's interesting because it is an analog and they kind of have the same origins in a way. Um, but the characters diverge in very interesting ways. The fact that Mark, for example, is gay, which kind of takes the metaphor of this Martian outsider on Earth and then doubles it up by him also yeah. being like a gay character trying to exist in like a heteronormative world. Mm-hmm. So the characters kind of divulge pretty intensely right there um, from that moment. So I didn't actually do too much Martian Manhunter research. Like I wasn't trying to emulate him. I really wanted to create Mark like his own character. Um, yeah. But I did like I did go back to those Astrander, Astrander comics, and I I had read Orlando's stuff after I had started scripting this book. Mm. Um, so what he was doing, I thought was so cool, um, but that didn't impact this book much. Um, but I definitely, obviously they have that same origin. Um, and I'm, and Jeff kind of crafted the character to emulate him. But what I did is it became very important for me to like create his own character and kind of build his own kind of mythos going forward as well. Um, but there I did like, and I, Another series was like Darwin Cook's The New Frontier because I loved how he presented uh, Manhunter. Yeah, that's one of my favorite versions. Yeah, Yeah. so I there's like a scene in that one that's famous of him flipping through like TV channels and kind of learning the American culture through TV. Yeah, Um, and I kind of took that idea and used it in the first issue, but like to say very different things where like you have him sitting and flipping through the channels, but it's going through like his own identities of like, he's a cop, he's, um, he's right. a superhero. And then he's also like this, this very lonely, isolated queer man. So like, yeah. I, that kind of was like, that's probably the most I did in the text to emulate or call back to kind of that Martian manager stuff. Sure. Sure. No, I think that's mm-hmm. appropriate too. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Cause that, that, that is one of the, I think really fun things about black hammers. If you have, a love of superhero comics and, and continuity and all these characters, um, there's all these touch points, right? And you can play yeah. the who's this referencing game. I, I think with Barbalian, like it's very direct, you know, like yeah, yeah, John yeah. John, Mark Martz, <laughs> like it's super direct. So you don't, there's no mm-hmm. guesswork involved. Yeah. Um, but just whatever cultural osmosis, whether it's the Justice League cartoon or the comics or whatever, people have a certain, you know, like, oh, I kind of get this character. And then Barbalian takes it like you said, in a different direction or at least a new direction mm-hmm. um, where it's like, yeah, this this identity concern that the character has is doubled and quadrupled. Yeah. And there's so much, so many layers to it. So, all right, let's back it up a second. Before we get into Barbarian um, in a lot more detail, how did you get started working with Jeff Lemire and the Black Hammer universe? Uh, what was that? What got you involved sort of in this world? Yeah, so I met Jeff a few years ago, I think 2016, um, I came from like the TV world. So I was interning with this producer here in Toronto who was adapting Essex County and is still adapting it um, mm-hmm. for our for the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Company here. Um, so then I got, I like made sure I was in the writer's room for it. And it was like, please just let me in. I like love this graphic novel. It's a huge touch, touchstone for me. Um, so I got in, I didn't even know Jeff would be there, but then he visited a few days and I like had to keep my composure. Um, but then <laughs> eventually, um, got to know him through there and we really hit it off obviously just cause we both love comics so much. Um, and then we do, we became friends. Um, he needed help with some, some like the black hammer encyclopedia. 
Um, yeah. And because I like loved Black Hammer, I was like, yeah, I'll help you out with that. I scripted the whole encyclopedia. So I obviously knew the world very well. Um, and then there was some point on Twitter a few years ago, he posted a poll being like, which character from Black Hammer should get a spinoff next? Yeah. And I picked Barbarian, obviously, and then pitched him kind of the idea of this book, mm -hmm. um, which was like, you have this queer character who's a cop during, and he was active during the AIDS crisis. Like the 80s was Martian Manhattan, like um, Barbarian's kind of period um, mm -hmm. of when he came to the scene. So I was like, you have this, all these, all this tension here in this character, like there's a story there. Um, I didn't expect to even write it. I was just like, here's a story idea, Jeff. Um, and then he came back a few months, a little while later and was like, we're going to do that story. Um, Gabrielle Walta is going to do the artwork because they had just come off of Sentient. And yeah, yeah. I guess Gabrielle's favorite Black Hammer character is Barbalian. So he wanted to do it. Um, and then Jeff was like, and you're going to write it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So um, quickly had to kind of pull my, because like I had this kind of elevator pitch, um, but then immediately had to go back and do tons of research um, on the period, especially. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, me and Jeff kind of broke. I came to Jeff with a bunch of ideas. I was like, I kind of had the first issue figured out. And then I knew where the, I wanted the story to kind of go and what I wanted to cover. Um, but then we sat down and did this whole kind of breakdown of what the series could be. Nice. And then I ran away and just and wrote up the scripts. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And and you mentioned a couple of times here, and I should mention too, like this is like an all-star creative team. You've got yeah. Gabriel Hernandez, <laughs> colors, Jordi Belair, letters by Adita Bidikar. Like this is a fantastic yes. looking uh, comic book it, for what is one of your earliest works. I know yeah. you have you know, work out there. And like you mentioned, work on the Black Hammer Encyclopedia. Like that is tremendous fortune to be working with these talents did yeah. you feel um i i guess i don't know i guess you don't know what you don't know but like did you feel a lot of pressure in terms of like i need to deliver because this creative team is like stacked i did feel some i honestly it was also kind of i kind of felt secure in it because they're so good mm, <laughs> because yeah, sure. comics is just so purely visual um that i'm like Gabrielle will make it look good no matter what. Jordy is going to make colors are going to be inc incredible. Um, and plus, um, yeah, so I knew that if anything, it would be like a beautiful book. If I completely <laughs> did terrible script, <laughs> it would be beautiful. They couldn't mess that up. Yeah, um, yeah. But more than anything, I felt that kind of obligation and um, fear more towards like properly representing the period and the people of that time. Um, and yeah. the queer communities. I think that's kind of what I was most worried about. Um, and you'll probably see that kind of shaped into my script much more. Um, where I'm making sure I'm covering certain topics or points of view yeah. um, from that period. Um, so I think that more than anything I was more worried. And because I was so focused on that, I don't think I was as worried as like letting down um, kind of the art team. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. No, it's a, it's a big a big deal to tackle the historical period and to tackle the AIDS crisis. So like this book, the, the action, the, the, in the, on earth at least is set in 1986, mm -hmm. um, during the AIDS crisis. Right. Like, and I, I went back and did some research on this too, cause it's another thing where the, it's a, it's a historical blind spot and kind of something I'm yeah. ignorant of because it was before yeah. I was born, uh, in much the same way that like when Watchmen was on HBO, a lot of people were like, Oh, what is, what is this history of yeah, Black yeah, America, yeah. you know, in, in a way that, I don't know. It feels shameful, but at the same time, it's like sometimes you don't know things. Let's mm -hmm. learn about them. AIDS crisis definitely has that for me. I didn't realize it was 
it, frankly, started as early as it did in the mm -hmm. 80s. So like I've gone back and done that. For you, what was the the process of, of researching and thinking like how you wanted to portray what is a really dark period of American history? Yeah. And like, as you mentioned, what's interesting, um, similarly with um, the similarly with Watchmen, the HBO show, um, the, a lot of that history is like on per like purposefully not talked about or brought mm -hmm. up. Um, and in fact, it's like closeted, especially with a lot of our queer history um, where so like I kind of I started digging into research and I found all of this kind of just this treasure trove of history that I didn't know. So like even like you're saying you weren't aware of all this, I wasn't even aware of it and I'm a gay man. So it was like this treasure trove of all this stuff that I was like, how do how does no one know about this? Why isn't this more well aware even like especially to the queer community? So I kind of designed this to kind of hopefully get people interested and then do that research as well. Um, so I went back and I watched a lot of documentaries. I read a lot of books, um, the band played on and the band played on is like a classic one that kind of covers yes. the whole thing. Um, I watched how to survive a plague, which is this incredible documentary. That's like so moving. There was another one called we were here, which focused a lot more on the people affected and the people in the healthcare system of the time. Um, and then I watched like the classic, like the normal heart, Ryan Murphy did like, um, did an adaptation of the normal heart, which is a play by Larry Kramer, which okay. came out right at the peak of like the play came out at the peak of the AIDS crisis and kind of showed New York and like America, what was really happening. Yeah. Um, so I went back and watched all these things, read a bunch and then was like, how do I, shape this into a superhero book and then i was like martians and <laughs> martian <laughs> warfare and <laughs> yeah there's a bounty hunter um so but yeah I, I, i'm glad that you went back and kind of looked into it a bit because like i really want that conversation to kind of come and more and kind of bring this history to an audience that might not otherwise know it yeah no it's it's an important i think thing for for hopefully people who would otherwise come to this for the the superhero flair and the fact mm -hmm. that like this book is and, and that's part of not this specifically, but something that Black Hammer has done so well, I think, is, okay, you get your superhero fix, but you also get this grounded, whether yeah. it's a tale of morality or just human history or just human nature, right? Yeah. There, there's more to it in a way that, like, the big two, right, don't necessarily always tackle. There's yeah. some series that yeah. do, but typically they can't. Um, and like you said, there are Martian warlords still. Like, I think that's... Normally, I like to have this conversation after, you know, I've read the whole thing, right? And mm -hmm. we're doing it after the first issue of five. But even just in that first issue, like, there's a really nice balance of Mark as a police officer during the AIDS crisis and that kind of scene and that history. But then also, like, Martian warlords hunting mm -hmm. him and, yeah. you know, him being on trial on Mars. Like, there's that blend of the fantastic with the real that I think is successful here. Um, there's also, like, there's a number of disturbing parallels, you know, just, again, in my limited understanding so far of, of the AIDS crisis and just what we're experiencing right now with like COVID-19. Like there's many yeah. different things, but that feeling of a nation being aware of, of like tragic loss of life, but too uncaring or unmotivated to do anything. Like it's, it's heavy and it's awful and it's, it's happening. Um, you said you scripted this, you know, starting earlier, probably than the pandemic really was in full swing. Do you, were there any changes you made or do you think the narrative just kind of hits differently um, with that in mind? Yeah, no, I, I wrote this almost a year and a half ago. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like well before COVID was even ever um, 
even a thing. Uh, and it was well before like the current political or no, the current like civil unrest, um, lots of like the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. So kind mm-hmm. of this narrative with like police queer relations with um, with a pandemic kind of hitting the states and the world. Um, all of that was scripted before I knew any of this would happen. Um, right. And obviously that just comes from a place of knowing that this happened in the past. And like, as most right. things, it'll continue to happen until it's properly kind of taken care of or addressed even. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of, it just all worked out that it's now happening again <laughs> when it's being released. Um, which kind of, if anything, kind of supports the messaging of the book. Um, Mm -hmm. I was worried, especially with, because like I tackle a lot of like the police um, and queer relations of the time and the tension there, uh, because it was like, it was terrible at the peak of the AIDS crisis. Um, So I'm I'm kind of glad that that conversation has been happening recently, because I think a lot of the messaging I'm kind of getting across will be better understood and kind of grasped. Um, So a lot of, so it's kind of worked out in that way. But again, it's also just like kind of sad and disheartening to see this happen. Yeah, again. Right. Um, but yeah. No, it's like it's not you don't want it to be top of mind in the sense of you don't want it to be happening. But at the same time, like the, the awareness around it that is that has really picked up this year, I do think is important in terms of us ever mm-hmm. seeing progress, you know, on, on on both matters like this pandemic and on like police relations. Um it, Barbarian takes on definitely added weight with Mark Marks being, you know, secret identity is a police officer, um, yeah. much like, you know, John Johns was a mm-hmm. detective like that's, you know, it's rooted in that idea. You have this complicated tangle of like literal alien treated like a lesser citizen simply for who he is, both on Mars and Earth. Yeah. Right. It's like and, and in a weird way, like Mars, Mars seems more homophobic, like more. I guess to use the bar like barbaric in their treatment of homophobia, but it's not, but then you come to earth where it's like, yeah, obviously it's a major problem here, even though it's like slightly better somehow. Um, but how did you, the, the sort of intersectionality of like all these layers of what Barbalian's character is police officer, uh, a queer man, like how did you approach like giving them all, um what's the word like like narrative juice i guess like how to like like giving each one kind of its own attention well to be honest like all of that was already there whether that was like jeff's intention originally or not um but like all of that like meat was there i was like i know there's a story there there's so much tension and it's just kind of like unwrapping it yeah um so i just and to be honest like you mentioned this earlier but I remember doing all this research and coming to Jeff with all my story ideas. And I was kind of like, Jeff, there's so much of like the AIDS crisis stuff. I'm worried that like there's not enough action or superhero stuff to keep like the people coming to read these comics happy. Mm. And Jeff like stopped me. and was like, no, like that's what Black Hammer is. Like what you said, where it's like, it's all about the human heart and the drama and you kind of pepper in the super, super heroics. Yeah. Um, so that was a big thing. So I knew when I was talking about his Martian identity, I would just, I had that kind of, that's where I could bring in those, that sci-fi pulp and all of that kind of, I could have fun there with like this huge Martian bounty hunter um, and like this barbarism of, of Mars and Martian culture, um, which is obviously much more direct and open about their um, homophobia. But at the same time, like the queer people on earth are also dying in droves by like, a complacency of their leaders yeah um right. so like the barbarism is still there it's just more hidden and less mm. like 
there's not public executions, it's more private executions in like a hospital bed. So yeah. it's kind of playing with those ideas. Um, and a lot of it was obviously just shaped from my own experience being like a gay man in like the world today. So I just kind of, as well as being like a white man and like the kind of privilege that that comes with, well, as well as being like a queer person. Um, so a lot of that was just kind of unwrapping my own identity in a way, but like obviously, and just from my own experience, um, yeah. which was more about his like human drama. But then at the same at the same time, he's like a Martian. So like there was, <laughs> there's like, he's a Martian <laughs> posing as a human, which is like a privilege in itself. Yeah. Um, so it was just kind of playing with all of that and making sure each kind of idea had enough page space to develop. Yeah, no, it's it's a tricky balance, I imagine. And, and you know, you get, you have five issues here of a mini. Mm. So like, I think in some ways, I think that's going to, and I'm predicting, but like, I think it's going to be to the series benefit in that it will be tight and have yeah. an ending and, yeah. and hopefully sell it through that way. At the same time, though, I'm sure for you, that means like, I have to nail this in a shorter time frame. I don't get this sort of endless tapestry yeah. to say everything I want to say. Yeah. You know? each, Was, each issue is like very packed. Yeah. <laughs> Part of it is like I only want to make like be making comics that where you really because comics are so expensive today. So I really mm -hmm. wanted them to you get like your money's worth. I wanted to be packed full with story. Um, but that also was because I wanted to cover so much and develop yeah. um, these rich relationships and these rich themes. Um, and like that I knew I had five issues was really helpful to do that, especially to kind of, I could kind of cut out, trim off the fat that wasn't necessary in a way. Um, Cause yeah. there was a lot that I wanted to do like beyond what the five issues could do. Um, but it could have, it might've distracted or like it wasn't necessary. So it really helped me kind of drill down to the core of the series. So I'm not, I'm like, I'm very glad it was kind of like a five issues thing. Sure. Sure. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, in the original Black Hammer, we see Barbalian in, in his human Mark Mart's identity seeking a relationship with a, a priest on the farm. Yeah. Uh, and he, he has these advances kind of thrown back in his face. And it's a big part of that story. And it's it's very emotional. It really helps us get to know Mark as a character and just sort of like this this isolation that he feels. This is something that you carry through in this first issue and tap into. We see like we open with him feeling rejection or facing rejection from a fellow police officer. Um, there's something so heartbreaking, I think, about him seeking connection time and time mm -hmm. again and and seeing it shattered you know all these times why do you think it's important for to keep showing him facing this rejection uh romantically in this way like like for that to be kind of his almost his lot in life it's like no matter what he <laughs> is trying somehow he's like always reading the room wrong or getting the wrong reaction you know um yeah i think that is just honestly at the core experience of a lot of queer people um and especially him, he's like trying to also learn how to be a human <laughs> and interact with humans. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's not very good at that. Um, so I think it just comes from that queer experience and it comes, I don't know, it's like this cyclical thing that keeps happening to, happening to him. Um, and I kind of built on this idea that he either keeps running away from his problems or he keeps doing something and getting the same results and being sad and just hiding away. Um, which none of that is going to change unless he actually takes action and does something um, right. or stands up for himself. Cause like, even when the police officers are mean to him, he's like just quiet and sad. Um, mm -hmm. So that's going to be kind of, that's, I think that's going to inform his journey across the series. 
um, is because I was like aware of him kind of always reacting this way or running away from his problems. Um, so his journey is kind of going to be whether he's going to finally like stand up for himself. Um, and yeah, because in that first issue, he kind of sees this incredible figure in Miguel, who's a protester, who's right. kind of standing up. He has something he's trying to get or prove. Um, and he's like this incredible figure. Uh, and Mark is almost immediately just like in awe of him. Um, yeah. So that kind of relationship will inform a lot of that, too. Is Miguel rooted in anything uh, specific historically or is just a, a version he's, of, you know, a, a protest he, leader? Yeah, he's kind of he's inspired by obviously the leaders of the ACT UP. Uh, New York protesters of the time and that activist group um, like Larry Kramer, um, Peter Staley, uh, just kind of those leaders who honestly are so heroic and I don't know how they just have no fear or I'm sure they do, but like you can't see it. Um, yeah. And they just kind of stand up. They know what is right and they, they don't back down. So I kind of, he was informed by a lot of that. Um, but yeah, for sure. 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 Cool. Uh, Unrelated uh, to a degree, um, when you're writing the Black Hammer Encyclopedia, I'm curious. Uh, basically, that touches on like every character that had been seen. Yes. Did you have a, a certain amount of creative freedom or liberty with some of the characters that have like almost totally not been seen? Like, um, oh, what is it? The the un. Oh shoot! Now I'm blanking. The unteens. I, yeah. I forget the the adjective. Did you? How much like kind of creative freedom did you have in working on that project initially? And and like how much flavor? have you injected into the Black Hammer universe as a result? Yeah, so the unteens, um, I didn't have much to say in that one. In that one. Um, Jeff has a book he's going to be doing um, based on them. So I know yeah. what, so I knew their story just from his kind of plot synopsis. Yeah. Um, but a lot of those characters, especially the smaller ones, like had nothing. Yeah. So Jeff, like, let me just kind of design my own ideas for them. Nice. So nice. like the pulp age story, pulp age heroes, was probably my favorite to write because I kind of just went back to those those pulpy heroes and designed if I could make some um, based off of those, but in a new way. Um, yeah. I just I kind of just came up with stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so like um, yeah, a lot of that stuff. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I, there's like more Black Hammer stories I would love to tell, but like I I kind of planted a lot of weird Easter eggs and seeds of like if I could ever come back to these characters, I would build upon these ideas. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. awesome. That's, is there a particular favorite of yours or you, you don't want to say it yet because it might uh, spoil an upcoming pitch? Yeah, I won't, I won't say anything. Okay, no. okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, what can you tell us about what's next for Barbalian without spoiling anything, um, but just what people can and should look forward to? Um, yeah, so he, if you think it is rough right now, it gets much worse <laughs> for poor Barbie. Um, he... Um, yeah, I think that's all I'll say is that it, it's like a long journey, but obviously just across through these five issues, but there's, it gets much worse. And then the hope is that it will get better eventually. Um, but if you're liking what you see, basically every aspect of that first issue kind of gets heightened. Uh, so that's really just an introduction to what's, what you, what you'll, what you'll be seeing. Sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. Now I really recommend people check this out. I, the first issue was it, it lived up to very high expectations that I had already, you know, created in my head for what I'm looking for, for this book and, and expect from the black hammer universe. So I think well done on that front. I think it, it so nailed much. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, what else is next for you? What, what projects or things do you have coming up that you want people to know about? Yeah. So 
you, the Black Hammer universe hasn't seen the last of me. I am working right. on um, a next series there that I that won't be announced for probably a while. Um, beyond that, there's like a few other series in development that I can't talk about. But there, yeah, you, there are more books happening. Um, hopefully yeah. announced sometime soon. But yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, Tate, this has been a, a pleasure. Um, thanks so much for hopping on. And yeah, I really recommend people check out Barbarian. I think too, like you're in that weird uh, publication realm where it comes out at the end of the year. So yeah. 20 best of 2020 lists are like already formulating and being crafted. I, I This book's going to be on some. The question is just 2020 versus 2021. So I think like, <laughs> Thank we'll you. probably wait we'll until it ends. Um, but then I, I think we're going to see some, some praise for this comment. But cool. yeah, thanks so much for joining. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. Yeah, Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.